to the Section 5 Podcast. Welcome to the Section 5 Podcast. We're doing something a little different this time around. This is Mark here, and I'm solo for this one. With the NBA on hiatus, many of us have been watching old games. Personally, as a 36-year-old, I've been going back to games of my youth, particularly games when Reggie Lewis was playing. As all Celtics fans and NBA fans my age know, Reggie left us far too soon. Those of us who remember him from our childhood are now going to games with our children, nephews, nieces, or other soon-to-be fans in our lives. As many of them walk into the garden for the first time, they will look up at the rafters, see all of the retired numbers, and ask, Dad, who was 35? Reggie passed away in 1993, in the prime of his career, at 27 years old. On July 27th of this year, it will be 27 years since his passing. Soon, he will be gone for as long as he lived. So who was Reggie Lewis? Reggie was synonymous with Boston basketball in the 80s and 90s. He wasn't born here, and he didn't grow up here, but he was Boston. Reggie grew up in Baltimore, Maryland, where he attended and played basketball at Dunbar High School. Alongside other future NBA players, Muggsy Bogues, David Wingate, and Reggie Williams, Dunbar won a combined 60-0 over Reggie's final two seasons. In his senior season, 82-83, Dunbar was named the number one team in the country by USA Today with a 31-0 record. Believe it or not, Reggie wasn't even a starter on that team. Crazy, right? There was no Kansas, Kentucky, Syracuse, or any other powerhouse you would expect a future NBA All-Star to land knocking on Reggie's door. Instead, Reggie came to Boston, and he never left. Reggie played four years at Northeastern University under coach Jim Calhoun. Yes, that Jim Calhoun, where he finished with 2,709 points, still a school record, and the Huskies won the ECAC North Division all four of those seasons, and also advanced to the NCAA tournament all four years. No small task for a school like Northeastern that isn't a traditional basketball powerhouse. Perhaps it was fitting that he started his Boston career in Matthews Arena, where his retired number still hangs. After all, that was the Celtics' original home arena. Rewind one year. The Celtics, fresh off winning the NBA championship in 1986, traded Gerald Henderson and Cash to the Seattle Supersonics for the number two pick in the upcoming draft. They used the pick to select Len Bias, the next superstar, and a player who Celtics scouts compared to Michael Jordan, who had come into the league a few years before. But two days after the draft, Bias died from a cocaine overdose. Of course, basketball takes a back seat to a 22-year-old dying before he can experience the greatness he was seemingly destined to reach. But the tragedy left the aging Celtics in a tough spot for the future. Enter Reggie Lewis. 
the Celtics would select Reggie with the 22nd overall pick in the 1987 draft. His first season would be uneventful, as he played only 8.3 minutes per game in Coach Casey Jones' final season. In 1988, Jimmy Rogers took over for Jones, and Reggie saw his minutes quadruple. Yes, that's right, quadruple. He went up to 32.8 minutes per game and averaged 18.5 points per game as a 23-year-old. It was clear from that point Reggie was going to be a star. They found the person who would take the torch from the Big Three and carry it into the 90s, sustaining the Celtics dynasty. In that 88-89 season, he had two duels with Michael Jordan and the Bulls, just over one month apart. That's right, young Reggie Lewis went toe-to-toe with the greatest to ever play the game, who was also three years older at the time. And though the Celtics came up short in both those games, the Celtics' future star dropped 32 and 33 points respectively, while carrying his team against a future dynasty. 23-year-old Reggie Lewis went toe-to-toe with the best in the world, and he held his own. As good as he was on the offensive end, having an elite ability to get to the rim and a deadly mid-range shot, which was a lot more valuable in those days. Reggie's biggest strength as his career progressed was his defense. Standing at 6'7", but having a wingspan closer to 6'11", Reggie's body and athleticism made him one of the best, although somewhat overlooked, defenders in the NBA. He was never selected to an all-defensive team, but a good old-fashioned eye test tells you he was one of the very best in the game, and you should always believe what your eyes see. More on that later. Another iconic moment came a few years later, in March of 1991, against, you guessed it, Michael Jordan. Reggie blocked Jordan four times that night, holding him to 12 for 36 from the field. Did I mention Jordan would win the scoring title that year? And the four before that? Oh, and he would go on to win his first NBA championship later that season. This was peak Jordan, the GOAT. Legendary Boston sports writer Jackie McMullen wrote about that night, and Jordan's comments on it, in her piece Remembering Reggie on ESPN.com. She writes about the most shocking of them all, when Reggie patiently waited for the right time to make his move on a trademark Jordan fadeaway. He got it. Jordan was admittedly shocked, and would go on to tell McMullen, His length confused me. Every time I thought I had him beat, he'd recover and get up on me. When you have the skills to break someone down on defense and you can't, it makes you tentative offensively. In McMullen's words, here's where we pause for a moment to understand the magnitude of what Jordan was saying. The most dynamic scorer in NBA history is now admitting two decades later that he was shocked by what Reggie Lewis did to him, confused by his length, and made tentative offensively. That's right, Reggie Lewis made Jordan tentative. He was finally starting to get recognition as the Celtics team started to move closer and closer towards what was going to be the Reggie Lewis era. He was named to his first All-Star team in 1991-92. Little did we know, it would be his last. Why did it take so long to get that recognition? After all, he was a star player on the premier franchise in the NBA. Perhaps it was his quiet demeanor. Reggie truly was, as the cliche says, a silent assassin. 
He wouldn't engage in trash talk with anyone on the court or make any controversial statements in the locker room. He hardly spoke at all. His play spoke for him. Off the court, Reggie was beloved in the city. He was active in the community, holding basketball clinics for kids and annual Thanksgiving turkey giveaways for families in need. He never forgot his humble beginnings and never thought he was better than the common people of the city. That, above all else, is what made him a Boston great. He embraced Boston. He was Boston. In 92-93, the Celtics, led by Reggie Lewis, finished with a 48-34 and record. This clearly wasn't the Celtics of the last decade. Larry Bird was gone. Kevin McHale was now a role player, playing just 23 minutes per game while averaging 10 points. And Robert Parrish was approaching 40 years old. It was Reggie's team. And that was okay. He's the guy. He's our guy. I'll never forget April 29th, 1993. The Celtics were opening up their first round series against the Charlotte Hornets. The Young Hornets finished just four games behind the Celtics that season. It was going to be a tough series. It turned out to be the toughest series any Celtics fan would ever see. Early in that game, the Celtics captain collapsed on the court. Those who were a little older than the nine-year-old version of me who was watching this game with his father would tell you it gave flashbacks of Hank Gathers and his death on the court. I don't remember any of that. I just remember seeing him fall and asking my father what happened to Reggie. He eventually got up, but something looked off. He was dazed, unsure of what was going on. He would actually return to the game briefly, but left after feeling dizziness and shortness of breath. The Celtics won that game, but we didn't care. We just wanted our captain to be okay. The Celtics didn't win another game that year, and Reggie never played again. The summer of 1993 was particularly cruel to the NBA and its fans. As we know, Reggie Lewis would tragically pass away while working out at Brandeis University on July 27th, just two months after New Jersey Nets star Drazen Petrovic was killed in a car accident in Europe. What a summer. I just said I'd never forget where I was on April 29th, 1993, but I'll definitely never forget where I was on July 27th. I was on a family vacation in New Hampshire on Lake Winnipesaukee. In 1993, that meant being cut off from the news, especially in the pre-internet era. My parents went out to the nearest town for the night, about 10 miles away, and came back after last call, around 9 or 10, and told us that Reggie Lewis had died. The shock came over me. I don't remember if I cried, but I do remember not believing what I heard. How could he be gone? On August 2nd, 1993, the city of Boston said goodbye to Reggie Lewis. His funeral was held at Matthews Arena at Northeastern, where his Boston journey began. Over 12,000 people attended his service, making it to this day the largest funeral ever held in Boston. Among the speakers were Dennis Johnson, Robert Parrish, and Reggie's brothers, Terry and Irving Jr. While embracing each other, Reggie's brothers looked up at his retired number, as Irvin said, Reggie, 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 one last time. Jim Calhoun called it the toughest speech he had ever given, closing by saying, You will live within my heart forever. You will live on in Donna and their children, 
and we shall never, ever forget him because he left us so much. Thanks, Reg. I love you. When the service concluded, the procession made its way to Forest Hill Cemetery. Along the way, fans lined the streets chanting Reggie's name as he went by. The next day, the front page of the Boston Globe read, Final Salutes for a Captain. There were rumors and reports around his death that got ugly, and even resulted in a lawsuit. But we won't get into that now. This is a tribute to Reggie and his legacy. Almost two years later, on March 22, 1995, Reggie Lewis's number was retired by the Celtics. 35 took its place in the rafters, next to the other Celtics legends and captains. In an emotional ceremony, D. Brown, Red Auerbach, and Reggie's widow, Donna Harris-Lewis, spoke. Donna said, He knew he was lucky to do what he loved to do more than anything in the world, in the state that not only invented basketball, but showed the world how to play it right. My husband loved to play basketball in this building, for this team, for you, the fans. From the day he was drafted, he made a personal commitment to give his all to the Boston Celtics, and he never swayed from this goal. She closed with an emotional poem, which I'm going to play for you now. I would like to recite a poem I started about a year after Reggie's passing, and I have been working on it since. It's called, Believe What Your Own Eyes See. When Reggie was drafted, it seemed like a dream. So privileged he felt to play for this team. He learned from the greatest, Larry, DJ, Robert, Kevin, and Danny, to work and prepare, proud to pass on their lessons to teach and to share. He played for the best and most knowledgeable fans. The baton passed from Larry into Reggie's skilled hands. He'll share this banner with those who came before, those grand Celtic legends of fame and of lore. To win was the goal he shared with you, that his death would come soon, none of us knew. Your letters and prayers give me hope to believe that he'll be remembered for what he achieved. His last game was for you here to see his career and his life was no mystery he was honored to wear the celtics green those close knew he kept himself clean though rumors now surround his death he cared too much for basketball to risk his health character is one thing that never dies Let's not believe these harmful lies. Pledge to this memory will honor his name. He had a full, happy life and gave all to this game. With Neek, D, M, L, Paul, and the rest of the team, a new era has begun to carry on the dream. The incomparable patriarch has shared the lessons of years past. Let's hope in the future, Red's wisdom will last. From all those who love Reggie, but especially from me, 
always believe what your own eyes see. Thank you. We believe what we saw. We saw a Celtic legend taken too soon. I'll leave you with a stat from McMullen's piece and some perspective on how great he was. He was one of six players who, from 88 to 93, posted at least 7,500 points, 1,500 rebounds, 1,000 assists, and 500 steals. The other five, Charles Barkley, Clyde Drexler, Michael Jordan, Carl Malone, and Chris Mullen, are Hall of Famers. So when you're in the garden with your son or daughter, and they ask, who was 35? You can just say, he was our captain. Thank you for listening. Be sure to follow us for more Celtics and NBA content at Section 5 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can follow me at mfury38, M-F-U-E-R-Y 38. Please subscribe, rate, and review if you like this piece. And I would love to hear any feedback you may have or any Reggie stories that you may uh, have that were personal to you or uh, any memories that come to mind. Uh, Thank you again, and uh, we'll be back soon.